Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study Your Word. Lord, we need You today. Thank You for sending Your Son. Lord, we love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. This verse describes the world before Jesus Christ came. People sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. That's what the world is. Now, for us at Christmas time, for the believer at Christmas time, what a wonderful time of year it is. Men walk around with silly grins on their faces. It's hilarious. I was at the mall earlier this week, and big, grown, burly men looking like little kids. They got Santa Claus hats on and people running around. Uh, by, over by our house, we drive by. It says there's a house. It's all decorated, and it says Santa will be here from 6 to 7 on such and such a date. People get excited at Christmas time. And as believers, is there a time when we ought to be more excited than now? Because we see God in a manger. He's come. The God that everyone hoped was there was really there. And He entered time and space in a stable. And He hung on a cross for our sins and died and was buried. But a dead man got up and walked. And now we can live and we can have life. Christmas is a great time of year for the Christian. You know, isn't it a sad thing when we get too distracted by not having enough money for gifts or whatever, and we miss the wonder of the whole thing? It's it's just such a great time of year for the Christian. But this concept of God in a manger and Jesus Christ coming and living and dying and, and rising from the dead is a statement of fact. You can bet your life on it. As a matter of fact, you are. If you bet that it's true and you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then the return is sure. But if you're doubting, what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong and Jesus Christ didn't live and He didn't die and He didn't rise from the dead, if I'm wrong, then we die and everything's okay. We're just gone. We've had a great life. I've gotten to know you guys and it's been wonderful. But what if you're wrong? What if it's true? What if Jesus really did come at Christmas time, we are betting our eternal life on it. So I can see why we as Christians are excited at Christmas time. But what about the pagans? Why in the world would pagans be excited at Christmas? Webster's definition of a pagan is one who has no religion. And according to all the different surveys that are coming out, we live in a, in a country now that is more and more pagan, and yet Christmas is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Why is it that people are so excited at Christmas time. Well, they're, they're inconsistent. See, if there's no God, then there are no values. If there are no values, then you're a turnip. If there's no God, then Adolf Hitler is just as good as George Washington. If there's no God, then why is good good? If, if peace on earth is a good thing, but there's no God, why does that matter? Where do these rules come from? Value must come from outside of us. Atheists have values because they're inconsistent people. They're inconsistent people. And, of course, one of the great crowning aspects of spiritual maturity is consistency. That's when your beliefs and your walk come closer and closer and closer. Now, how many of you have ever noticed 
that sometimes there's a gap between your belief and your walk. How many of you have ever noticed that? And the rest of you are lying. Because we know that we believe everything that this says. And it's our aspiration to walk by everything that this says. And yet we find ourselves day by day not doing that. But that's what spiritual maturity is, isn't it? It's the closer you get to going home to be with the Lord as you grow in the Lord, the smaller that inconsistency becomes. But man, at Christmas time, inconsistency is everywhere. The world claims that, you know, this stuff isn't true. And yet they build the entire holiday season around it. But what about the pagans? Why are they doing what they're doing? I love the story. You've heard me say it a million times, but you see the guy and he's hitting himself in the head with a stick and it looks crazy. You say, why are you doing it? Just because it feels so good when I stop. Well, when you understand why someone is doing something, then it helps you to understand that. And isn't that great about little kids? Uh, At some point, your son discovers that you're shaving and he comes and looks at you. Why are you doing that? And then they learn a little bit at a time. And the more they learn, the more things make sense. But why do pagans celebrate Christmas? So that's, that's my, my first point this morning. Why are pagans happy at Christmas? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. See, there are three parts of human existence. You've got to believe in something. You've got to hope for something. And you've got to love someone or have someone love you. You have to have those things. If you don't have them, you don't really have any kind of an existence. Christmas is as close as the pagan ever gets to meeting those needs without ever finding the real thing. You know, you watch the Christmas programs on television. Uh, there was one on the other night. I think we were watching that Andrea Bocelli thing. How many of you saw the Andrea Bocelli? Man, that guy can sing. And you have this choir up there and all these people singing. And they're singing these amazing lyrics. And you wonder if anyone there has any idea what they're saying. You know, uh, I listen to, I enjoy listening to some opera and that type of thing. And what's nice is I can put it on in my office and listen to it while I'm working and it's not distracting because I don't have any idea what they're saying. <laughs> you know what I'm t- How many of you enjoy it that way? You put it on, you don't know what they're saying, but the music's beautiful, the voices are beautiful. It's wonderful. But I don't have any idea what they're talking about. Sometimes it's so moving and it's so passionate. And they might be saying, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> you know, you don't have any idea what it's saying. But I think that's the way it is at Christmas time for these pagans singing these songs. They don't have any idea what it's talking about. But Christmas is the closest they ever come to meeting those needs without finding the real thing. It's like you're really thirsty and you see a painting of water. Or you're really hungry and you walk by a bakery and you smell that. You know, I love... I'm doing the low-carb thing, so the bakery stuff's killing me. Or how about this? A commercial for Florida in the middle of winter. You want to go and you want to be warm. There's something about Christmas that for the pagan, it becomes close. It just comes so close to where they are. But human beings can't live without these three things. George Gilder, the economist, said faith is the foundation of a healthy economic system. And that's why you have all these indexes. You know, what is the consumer confidence index? Do they have faith that the economy is going to be okay? You've got to have faith for the economy to work. Voltaire said, famous atheist, he said... If there were no God, 
it would be necessary to invent him. People have to believe in something. They have to believe in something. But Chesterton, he was a, a, a funny, funny man. He was a lost man, but he was funny. He said, uh, if we no longer believe in the true God, we don't then believe in nothing. We believe in anything. Isn't that true? When you get away with the true God, then anything comes in. You have Jim Jones, let's all go drink Kool-Aid. Mormonism. You know, I, I think about Glenn Beck, and I just, he wants to believe in something so desperately. And Mormonism. Mormonism teaches that Jesus Christ was rejected in Israel, so he came to America and established true Judaism in America, North and South America. So this is where the true Israel is. And so the Latter-day Saints, that's when the angel Moroni came back and showed Joseph, Joseph Smith the reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics and translated them through these special glasses. And all of these cities and all these places in the Book of Mormon, they don't exist. They're not anywhere. So when you move away belief in the one true God and His Word, you don't just believe in nothing, then anything goes. Communism. How about highly Selassie and Rastafarianism? Do you know how weird you have to believe in that? But what happens is when you remove the truth, anything goes. And yet at Christmas time, the reason people get so excited is because it's the closest that they ever come to the real thing. Human beings can't live without hope. H.G. Wells, Journey to the Center of the Earth, all of those. He was a utopianist. And at the end of his life, he became very discouraged because World War I had happened. And all of these utopian ideas about the world getting better and better and better, all of a sudden, you've got mustard gas and trench rats and just this horrible existence in World War I. And so he started believing in an afterlife because he had only accomplished one-third of what he had hoped to accomplish. He had to have hope. Sometimes even people even dream up reasons for hope. When I was in Ghana, I've described to you just the awful conditions. You'd walk, I was in the city of Kumasi, a city of over a million people. And you'd walk out of the hotel, and on each side of the road were open sewers. And people had their houses right next to the sewer. They'd put a little plank across it, and they'd sit on that sewer, and they'd dangle their feet in the water for coolness. They lived to be 30 and 40 years old. That's, that's as long as they could live. And yet they were excited to tell me that Ghana had been voted the happiest place on earth. You see, people, they have such a great desire for hope, sometimes they find hope in places where there aren't. There is none. And then human beings can't live without love. They can't live without love. Burt Backrack, right? What the world needs now is love. It's an all-skate carol, wherever you are. I like what someone wrote. In the 1950s, kids lost their innocence. This is so true. They were liberated from their parents by well-paying jobs, cars, and lyrics and music that gave rise to a new term, the generation gap. In the 1960s, kid, kids lost their authority. It was the decade of protest. Church, state, and parents were all called into question and found wanting. Their authority was rejected, yet nothing ever replaced it. In the 1970s, kids lost their love. It was the decade of meism, dominated by hyphenated words, beginning with self, self-image, self-esteem, self-assertion. The Bible says that in the last days, men will be lovers of their own selves. Kids learned 
everything there was about physical relationships, but forgot everything there was to know about love, and no one had the nerve to tell them there was a difference. In the 1980s, kids lost their hope, stripped of innocence, authority, and love, and plagued by the horror of a nuclear nightmare. Large and growing numbers of this generation stopped believing in the future. And now, 30 years later, we're surrounded by this hopelessness and this pointlessness that you see everywhere, where people, now we ought to have an apathy index. What do you think about, eh, it'll be okay, eh, whatever, eh. But you know, that all changes at Christmas. The, the heart starts pumping and people get excited and there's just something in the air at Christmas time. But then the guilt gets magnified at Christmas because these pagans will visit a church service. So they'll, they'll go to a, a scripture, there'll be scripture at a child's program. That's why the world wants to get rid of any religious references at Christmas time because you can't be oblivious in your paganism and celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ without guilt coming in. The guilt gets magnified at Christmas because when you get close to the light, the blackness looks even blacker. They go to church and read the Bible and talk about God a lot. So you go to church and read the Bible and talk about God a lot. But you, go, you get home. And you take off the mask and you cry, oh God, because you're seeing the guilt. You know that you're not good and kind and loving and sweet. Someone wrote, forlorn across the empty ages, walking between two hospitals. You're born in one and you die in one in some place, maybe at Christmas. You stop on your way down that path and you look into the blackness and you ask, who am I? What am I doing here and what is this thing called life all about? And all you hear is the ache of your own words striking the hollowness of your own emptiness. See, for the pagan life, life's a lonely place. The biologist tells me I'm a blob of protoplasm. Scientists tell me I'm a rat running through a maze. Philosophers try to give me reasons for running. Historians tell me about my past and statisticians tell me about my future. I listen to their speeches, but when they are finished, I can still hear the hollowness and the deadness. And then they die. Isn't this the most uplifting Christmas message you've ever heard? It's like that happy birthday song, you know. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Sin and sorrow in the air. People dying everywhere. Happy birthday. <laughs> but you know, when the pagan looks at Christmas, that's all they have to look forward to. They die and they chisel on their tombstone, stone, born 1940, died 2009, and there's just a comma between the birth and the death. Only a comma. And no one knows who put it there, why it was there in the first place, or what meaning it has. Pagans had better not get really consistent. If they do, it'll kill them. Remember what Hamlet said? Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day till the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out our brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is here no more. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And then came Christmas. 
And then came Christmas. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come. Christmas is true. It really did happen. So what can we tell these pagans? Well, first of all, Jesus has come. Faith is rooted in reality. This idea that a Savior is born unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. It's true. It really happened. It's rooted in reality. It's not a pious platitude. It's not religious people trying to get them to do something anymore. It is there in time and space for everyone to see the cry of a special baby. God entering time and space. It really happened. There was a Presbyterian missionary. His name was John Patton. The kids and Laura and I all read his biography to the kids years ago. And when he went to the New Hebrides and he was trying to translate the Bible into their language, there's a question of belief. What must I do to be saved? Well, the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The only problem is there was no word for believe in their language. So listen to what he wrote to them. Lean with all your weight on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's like these pews. Many of you probably didn't wonder whether or not that pew was going to hold you up when you sat down. You just sat down. You had belief. You leaned with all your weight on that seat. Belief is leaning with all your weight on the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a bombed out shelter in Germany that was discovered after World War II and someone had written a poem on the wall. I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in music even when I can't hear it. I believe in love even when I can't feel it. And I believe in God even when He is silent. But Christmas is when He spoke. He came. He entered time and space. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. Jesus has come. Faith is rooted in reality. And then Jesus has come. Hope is bathed in legitimacy. You know, a lot of times people are hoping for hope. You know, do you think, you know, how are things going on with your house? Is, is everything going to be okay in your relationship? I hope so. Your kid's going to serve the Lord. I hope so. Are you going to follow Christ? I hope so. Well, you've got to hope in something more than just hope. You've got to do something about that. It's not, a, it's not a pipe dream. It can happen. Did you ever hope that you could be clean and forgiven? Have you ever wanted someone to love you, to really know you and love you anyway? Have you ever wanted to live in happiness forever? Have you ever wanted some meaning in your life more than just getting up in the morning and hustling to a paycheck so that you can pay for the mortgage, so that you have a place to sleep, so that you can get up and go and get a paycheck, so that you can have a place to sleep? And there's more to life than that. Do you realize how many of us as Christians, that's exactly the world, the sphere that we live in? And it's so much bigger than that. Jesus Christ came at Christmas. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. And now He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. And He did all of that so that we could love Him and serve Him and have meaning in this life. Faith, hope, hope in reality, but also in charity. Faith, hope, and charity. Jesus Christ came at Christmas. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
hope may be realized. I like the lady at the well. Jesus Christ had told her everything that she'd ever done. And then she had to tell somebody about it. She said, come see a man that told, which told me all things whatsoever I did. Is not this the Christ? Yeah, that's the one that pagans can meet at Christmas. But then Jesus has come. Love is manifested in personality. There's a missionary, and he found this little boy. The little boy had gotten away from his village during a war, and so the missionary was taking him back to his village. And it had been so long, the little boy couldn't remember what his father looked like. And so the missionary asked him, he said, How will you know your father? How will you recognize him? The little boy said, He'll recognize me because he loves me. You know, when Jesus Christ comes, we're going to know Him. But He knows us right now and still loves us. Love isn't just a word. It is recognition. It's recognition. It's interesting that shepherds know their sheep. They can look at one sheep and know it from another. Jesus Christ knows His sheep. And listen to what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Love is when God came into the universe and God loved us. And John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and then he stretched out his arms and died. Do you want something to believe in and hope for? You know, Christmas is a time of giving. I love giving gifts. I even more love getting gifts. (laughs) People say it's better to give than receive. I like giving or getting. Um, But isn't it wonderful when you give somebody a gift... And it just lights up their life, especially a thoughtful gift, you know, where someone has taken some thought and it's, it's special for you. Uh, someone gave me a pen this morning that's a, it's a hand-turned pen and they know I like woodworking. That was special. That's really cool. I'm going to have that on my desk. I'm going to use that. It, it was special When someone thinks about something that's just right for you and they go to an extra step, do you know what that is? you know what that's called? Charity. That's love that gives, but it's love not just that gives. It's love that gives with a purpose. And Jesus Christ gave his life for a purpose that we could have life and have it more abundantly. This Christmas season, are you experiencing that abundant Christian life? As you give, are you giving out of a life of drudgery, and you're giving because you're just supposed to. It's that time. I'm supposed to give somebody a stinking present. You're a mean one, (laughs) Mr. Grinch. Is that where you are? Or is your life, are you excited that you're able to do something for someone that's special? You know, we are inconsistent people. The pagans are inconsistent at Christmas because they're all excited about something they don't even believe in but it's the closest they ever get to it. We as Christians are inconsistent because the world has deceived us so much into things and stuff that we forget about the real reason for all of it. Jesus Christ came to give us life and give it more abundantly. We looked in Hebrews today in my Sunday school class, and we talked about how when Jesus Christ gave us His sacrifice, when He made His one sacrifice forever, that it cleansed our consciences so that we could serve the living God. You know what? At Christmas time, you ought to realize that that precious baby that came in a manger, he came so that you could be free. How many of you are saved today? You know for sure that if you died today, you're saved. Now, don't lift your hand here. I wonder how many of you are free. I wonder how many of you are living under the guilt 
of sin that you're committing right now that you ought to forsake and confess. But I wonder how many of you are living under guilt of sin that Jesus Christ forgave a long time ago. You confessed it. It's gone and you're still, you're still hindered by the weight of that sin. Put it down. Just put it down. That's what Christmas is about. Faith is rooted in reality. Faith is rooted in reality. Hope. Hope is in something that is true. And love, charity, Jesus Christ gave himself so that we can be free. I wonder if you've received the gift that Jesus Christ brought. If you're saved today, and as I look out here, I know that the vast majority of you are born again. You're not pagans. You might think like a pagan, but you're actually born again. If you're not born again, get saved today. But if you're a believer, stop thinking like a pagan. Christianity, as we understand it from the Word of God, the basis for it is Jesus Christ's sacrifice for your sin. Let's live free. Get away from the guilt. If your kid wants that new Wii or whatever and you can't afford it, he'll be okay. Amen? Do they know Jesus? Do they know the reason Jesus Christ came? Do they know how much you love them apart from the stuff that you give them? We've decided not to give our kids anything for Christmas this year so that they can under... That's just a joke. It's okay. It's the first time Jacob listened to all service, man. (laughs) I'm coming home! Look, let's make sure. Let's all of us make sure that we live the Christian life through this Christmas season. Man, it's a great time of year. The pagans can be inconsistent. Let's us be consistent. Amen? And let's maybe get some of those pagans to understand what Christianity is really about. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word.